Joe, I have spent the whole weekend thinking about the 18th century and I've come up with a great idea for an episode of the podcast that's all about the 18th century. So it'd be like Adam's 18th century corner, but there'd be the whole episode. No, we're not doing that. Um, and furthermore, we're doing almost the opposite of that. We're doing a whole episode about 19th century things, uh, the 19th century, the long 19th century, but uh, not so long that it invites you to think about the 18th century. Uh, we're going to think about the Victorians, going to think about satire in that period. We're going to think about why that's the best one um, and why out of everything in them, the Brontes are the best of all. It's just going to be full on, full blown Joe, this episode. <laughs> Deal with it. Why don't you go and eat an apple if you don't like it? Okay. Full blown joke just sounded a bit like a profession. Well, welcome to welcome to the podcast, Adam. Um, thank you very much. My 19th century satire podcast. How are you anyway? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. I'm looking yeah, are you excited for a 19th century episode? I actually, I, do you yeah. know what? I absolutely Oh, love... do you know what? Spoiler. I love the 19th century. Do you? I do. It's like a you, holiday for do, me. Cause are you going to say something about, like, you love the 19th century because you love the long 19th century, which starts in the year 1700 or something? I wasn't going to say that. No, I was going to say, like, the 19th century is what I go to to relax when I time <laughs> thinking about the 18th is century. Is it? Yes, yeah, so, so it's like Christmas. I'll stop doing the 18th century and I'll enjoy Dickens or Gaskell or something festive. What a lie! That's not what a lie. Absolute nonsense. That's not true. What's the most recent Gaskell novel that you read? Well, in my in my life. Yeah, uh, recently. Recently. Out of all of yeah, I haven't recently. read one in a while. Okay. Uh, What's the most recent? Cranford. And when did you read that? 2015. Okay, well done. Good. Yeah. Right. So you relax by reading. Yeah. So, so um, like my research is basically just your relaxation because it's it's so easy it's not because it's easy yeah it's because it feels festive don't you think <laughs> to like to read dickens with great expectations when when else would you read it except december the nights are drawing in and it's time to sit by an open fire and enjoy the brontes for example <laughs> um well or uh mm, yeah no, i don't, I mean, I don't I, think that's what we that's what I go to them for, but um, I mean, to be fair, I'm like just for the sake of characterization going on about the 19th century and Victorian things, I don't really have that much time for Dickens, if I'm no. honest, <laughs> especially not great expectations. Because well, just... I read it at A level, it kills mm. it for you forever, doesn't I it? I very much enjoyed reading it. I was about in my mid 20s, and I thought I actually have to read Great Expectations because everyone mm. else has, and uh, yeah, what a page turner! But uh, but I mean I'm joking kidding about Dickens, but in to be real for a second, mm. when I say I go to the nineteenth century, be real. For that's fun, also coming up. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's because it's not too modern, mm. but it's more modern than what I normally do. Like yeah. They they have got the hang of sentences, haven't they? In the in the nineteenth yeah, century, usually. And, yeah, yeah, and also like there's some great books in the nineteenth century, like and poetry as well. Mm. Um, I. The 19th century is my second favourite. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, do you think we should explain, maybe you, you would be, because this is going to come up in the conversation, what is the long 19th century and the long 18th I can century? Tell you it's very contentious, isn't it? Oh, I can tell you about the long 18th century. So mm. um, I was recently, I have very recently been involved in... Um, Lengthening centuries. <laughs> we all get them like between two. 
What would it be like to in two voices the, if you stretch them out? I've been involved in um, changing the constitution for the British Society for 18th Century Studies. It means mm. a, a refresh every 20 years or so. Right. And it's a really peculiar activity because you are not only thinking about what we need now, but you're trying to future-proof it. And one of the uh, big debates was over what to do with this precise issue because at the moment, if you follow the letter of the law and the constitution, it says... Uh, it promotes the study of the 18th century. So if someone does, for instance, the Glorious Revolution or the Napoleonic Wars, that doesn't technically fall within the 18th century, so should they be eligible to access funding from the 18th century society? So the president proposed changing it to long 18th century. But then some people were like, that's quite in vogue and fashionable now, but can we? do we know in 20 years that mm. uh, there might be such a thing as the long 18th century? So instead they compromised with... <laughs> the 18th century comma broadly conceived and I propose mm. that we should then have brackets e.g. long right. um, but, Just, that, but I, I hope that's a good example for where, the, where this idea comes in it, mm. it's the notion that obviously the 18th century and the 19th century it's really easy to say that they start so the 19th century begins in the year 19 uh, in the year 1800 and goes to the mm. year 1900 but what you know where that history doesn't work in periodization does yeah. it so for instance what's happening in 1900 is going to be massively influenced by for example the french revolution the american revolution the early chartism of the 1790s um and uh or proto-chartism as your students might say mm-hmm. um so so yeah so it gets a bit of a it gets a bit messy yeah. doesn't it so in the 18th century which i'm not going to talk about a lot but people tend to start counting from the Glorious Revolution of 1688 because you're still dealing with the constitutional ramifications of that in 1700. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Periodization is tricky, which begs the question of why you've ever been allowed to have an 18th century corner in the <laughs> first true. place, doesn't it? Because, like... yeah, I mean, people, like we talk about the Brontes as Victorians, but they had been alive for, what, uh, 50... They, they were all, like, in their teens or 20s when mm. Victoria came to the throne, for example. Um, yeah. And then lots of people who had spent the vast majority of their lives uh, as what we would now term Victorians went on living for a, a fair while into the 20th century. Yeah. And we now don't think of ourselves as like uh, Car- Carolians, no, we having don't. recently converted from <laughs> New Elizabethans. Yeah, um, it's, it's like yeah. A, it was. It's as if we had a mentality today where you tried to explain current events, but with only the context of the last five years. Yeah. Um, Oh, who does that I, I don't I dread to, I hope that nobody does that yeah. but uh, but yeah it, it's like that and a, a good one actually the arguments between 18th centuryists and 19th centuryists are often characterised as the um, scraps over where Jane Austen would fall aren't they she can, she's welcome to fall outside of anything I'm interested in that's absolutely <laughs> fine but she lived well she, her books came out in the 19th century she's but a lot of them were written in the 18th like. <laughs> she's not, yeah. not a fan no I don't no well she's Fine I think then. that the 19th century should take her because if ever you've been to an 18th century conference, an individual listening to this will know that if you get scheduled up against the Jane Austen panel, you're not going to have an yeah. audience. Yeah. So, well, uh, she is 19th yeah. century, but not Victorian. Yeah. That's the, and, the thing. But some of her stuff she wrote in the 18th century, but then it was published in the 19th century. So yeah. she ends up being claimed by both or neither in the instance of this conversation. Do you know who didn't like Jane Austen as well? The Brontes. Well, Charlotte Bronte. Charlotte Bronte. Yeah, yeah. because I think I think it was G. H. Lewis said, mm-hmm. "You your books are fine, but you should read Jane Austen to find out what a proper book should be like and calm down a bit." I watched and a she... film the other day about Emily Bronte, and she's a bitch. Yes, well, I was going <laughs> to go on to talk about um, about that film, Emily, in in a short while. But okay. first, park it. Um, I've scripted uh, a little 
drama okay. for us to for us to do together. So, would you like to be? You can be one or two out of uh, Charlotte, Emily, and Dan in in what is to follow. Okay, I'll be my fav- my second favorite Bronte, which is Anne. Okay, well let's see how it goes then. If I'm Charlotte and Emily, and I just try and distinguish the voices a little bit. So, enjoy, listeners. What um. A, a representation that I have done. <laughs> I may be small in height, but my books are massive, and I hate bitches. I look, I love them all, but I hate bitches even more. People call me Dear Gentle Anne, but cross me and you'll soon find out I'm Anne, enemy of bitches. I think you might have to actually be Emily as well as Anne because Charlotte's the constant throughout, so we'll see. But anyway, I'll do Emily and I'll do um, Sally Wainwright, Emily. Alright, good luck. Okay. Uh, right, okay, so, oh, who's that at the door? Oh, hi, Anne. I didn't expect to see you. Oh, oh are you all right? Oh, I just thought I'd pop around and see how you were getting on. Are you all right? Oh, I'm actually a bit down, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, you know this. I've been having an absolute nightmare. I've been through hell, and I'm just not in a good place right now. I know, babe, I know. Anyway, what do you think about what Emily did last night? Oh, do you know, I'm actually really, really annoyed with her. Because, you know, like she said that I was a distant friend, which I was, like, really upset about. Um, But then she just started beating a dog up in front of me. And I'm like, you just don't do that. You just don't. Well, do you know what I think? I think you need to have it out with her one-to-one and just get it out there and clear the air. So I've organised a little treat for us. We're all going on a girly trip to... The moors, because I'm thinking, what better way to get it all out in the open? Oh, do you know what? I'm so excited. I can't actually wait. I'm so excited. Oh, thanks, Anne. Do you know, I think it'll be all right, actually. I don't think there'll be any drama. I'll just have it out with her. Now we're on the moors. Okay. Oh, hiya, Emily. Listen, I just wanted to have a quick word with you about the other night, because I was actually a little bit upset about it all. Well, I never meant to upset you, and if you don't, if you took offence to anything I said, then I'm sorry that you were idiot, idiotic enough to do so. Oh my God! Just own your shit. Own it. Just own your shit, Emily. You've been digging me out all night. You've been digging me out all the time. Oh, hang on, hang on. That gives me an idea for my book. Oh, you're writing a book. I thought you just did poems. No, I'm actually writing a book as well. I'm so excited about my new project. I think it's going to be amazing. Oh my God, you're just stealing my thunder now. I'm actually really upset about this. But anyway, what I wanted to say was I'm having a launch party for my new book and I'm arranging it for us all to have a girly trip to London to celebrate it. And you can come if you want. Also, uh, the reason I knew about your poems is because I rifled through all your stuff and found them. Oh my God, you know what? I'm not going to London with you. I don't like you don't like you comma oh i don't i don't like you charlotte i just don't like you yeah well you and bramwell just have your little fucking pity party here then because me and Anne are off to london (coughs) (coughs) next time on the real housewives of haworth So, um, did you enjoy that little clip of the Real Housewives of Howarth? I did um, very I, much. I found it's a new new addition to the franchise. Um, 
So yeah, well, I think one of the things that was interesting about that, and I would just like to say there are, um, what I've cleverly done is include things that really did happen. Emily really did uh, beat up a dog. Um, they really did go on a, well, not really a girly trip to London, but Charlotte and Anne obviously went to London to tell the publishers that they were three three sisters mm. from Haworth and Emily didn't go. Um, and then she did start to coughing and become ill with TB. But what's interesting... later, Charlotte and Anne went to Scarborough and Emily didn't go on that trip either, didn't no, she? No, because she was dead, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And then Anne didn't come back. Yeah, yeah. Because she was dead. That's right. But what's interesting about The Real Housewives of Haworth, as written by me in a spare five minutes, is it's probably less historically inaccurate than the film Emily um, oh, yes. that we saw recently. So, mm. yeah. Um, what did you think of that film, Emily? I mean, what did you think of the film that is called Emily? I'm not, I like, talking to you in character. Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was... Do you know what? I didn't really like it. I don't like you, Emily. No, um, it was... Uh, well, I don't really know what to say. I didn't enjoy it. Uh, uh, I um, I did enjoy it, but I don't think I enjoyed it for the right reasons. Mm. I, I obviously don't know anywhere near the amount of Bronte trivia that you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I have learned so quite a little trivia. bit from teaching it and through osmosis. Um, mm. And uh, it seemed to me heinously inaccurate, which in and of itself is not, yeah. you know, not a completely damning critique. But then I felt like the uh, changes that they made to chronology and mm. character and personality... It was akin to vandalism, really, in yeah, terms of like the. Because I think if you're going to do something that's like knowingly counterfactual, you've got mm. to be like, you've got to do something a bit clever about it. And if you show like, oh, here's the here's this received narrative, here's all the stuff we've seen in the Brontes of Howard from the seventies and so on, and like here's the the stories we all know. But then you cut to like, here's my suggestion of an imaginary storyline that might have been happening all the time, and you cut it in so that it seems plausible alongside things that are well, I was going to say canon but I mean just like factually the mm. case then that would but if you're going to just make things up you have to have a sense of why you are doing that and what would be in, what it is you're asking the audience to think about about the untrue things mm. like what what are the questions you're asking here about creativity and love and addiction and all the rest of it because like I I could believe one of the things I found more plausible about it was the idea that when Emily's sent down to the pub to fetch her brother back for dinner that she might have a drink too. I'm not even averse to the idea of her sharing some drugs with him. I mm. think it's unlikely she had a tattoo, but maybe mm. she would have. But it's things like, why have you swapped... The, like, the grammar and language that she spent her time learning when she came or like revising when she came back to Haworth was German rather than French so like mm. you've swapped out that slightly more romantic language she didn't have an affair with William Waitman well she almost certainly didn't but he definitely didn't teach her French mm. and if he had he would have gone round to the house to do it not rented a schoolroom down the road to mm. do it um, and most of all when he decided he didn't want to be doing the sex with her anymore she didn't sit down and get a piece of paper and write Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. Mm. She said she didn't put her own name to anything that she wrote. And when she was dying, from what we know from Charlotte's letters, Charlotte Bronte's head wasn't full of like, why did you write that book? Why did you do it? She was like, I don't want you to die. Yeah. Um, and then, and Jane Eyre and Wuthering Heights were written at the same time. She didn't write Jane Eyre out of like a sense of bereavement and tragedy after Emily had died. Mm. And that bit when they have the um, 
they have the like literary launch party for Wuthering Heights and yeah. Adrian Dunbar is a man cast to play a man who in real life did have an Irish accent doing a Yorkshire accent yeah. oh I'm so proud of you yeah. it's a really good book like and then yeah. then afterwards Charlotte like looks at some air and thinks about how Emily's middle name was Jane and takes a bit of paper and writes Jane Eyre by the, Charlotte just the last nonsense all of wasn't it, was it a bit yeah the last ten minutes it becomes almost a sketch show where it's like yeah how, who's going to have the idea for a book next yeah but then it's all the chronology is all out of sync and um yeah, I mean, something that I really liked about the Sally Wainwright biopic from a few years ago to Walk Invisible is that they're all writing the stuff together. Mm. Uh, they've all got their pseudonyms. And then there's the tension of like, well, how are we going to reveal to everyone that it is ours uh, yeah. and we're all writers and stuff. So that's all that's all gone. And now it's like yeah. a really almost like cartoonish joke of like, who's going to have an idea for a famous book next? Yeah, but, but, then, but, but it can to... only be based on things that have really happened to you. Yeah, yeah. Like nobody's ever thought of an idea just in their own mind. And two things that hurt me about that. One of them, this is not my observation, I read it in a review, but it occurred to me when it was corroborated by my experience of watching it, which is that Emily inspires Jane in this version, but Emily is inspired by the man Emily inspires Charlotte. Sex to write Jane Eyre yeah. yeah yeah. so Emily inspires Charlotte to write Jane Eyre in this film yeah Emily herself is inspired by the ma- the, cur- the male curate who she's having sex with yeah so not only is Emily's genius the product of her experience of this man and also her brother but yeah, actually yeah. so is Jay- so is so Charlotte so is Jane Eyre yeah, yeah. So there's and that. Anne just doesn't do anything. Well, I was going to say the yeah. thing, the person I felt was really like got the short stories is Anne, who she had written. She gets about two lines, doesn't she? And they don't even mention that she writes things. Like, no. like the fact that she had a, by the time Wuthering Heights came out, hadn't she already published a book? Uh, it, she published one at the same time mm. and then one, another one slightly yeah, after. Yeah, in this one yeah. she's just like a gurning. Charlotte <laughs> says we shouldn't do our imagination <laughs> anymore. Yeah. yeah, whereas in the Sally Wainwright one, I thought Anne was such an interesting yeah. character that it, that's what led me to then buy Tenet of Wildfell Hall, which I've uh, been trying to read for a while. Yeah, it was like it was written by someone who'd been told out loud a bunch of stories about the Brontes but not really been listening and gone back to their notes and they were like... Just everything seemed to happen in the wrong order and at the wrong time and for the wrong reasons. Um, oh, do you know what, Joe? Oh. <laughs> I realise this isn't what the podcast is, but something that it reminded me of. Was None that of the, this is what the podcast is. Was that is a it? weird film that we watched about uh, Kirsten Stewart being Princess Diana? Oh, yeah. Because it was a similar thing. I thought, what was that film? Is it just Spencer. Called? Spencer. The similar thing where it's like, this is a film that seems to be inspired by someone's idea of what someone else has said. Like, it, mm. it was so surreal and outlandish and disconnected from any kind of lived reality, they might as well have just made a random film. And that's what I felt like with this. It's like, well, if it's not the Bronte sisters, you just have a film, a, like a, a teenage skewing, uh, body busting film about yeah. some girls who fancy a, a, a curate. It's not yeah. really, yeah. I don't rain, know why they need rain, rain. <laughs> how I love the rain that was my favourite bit of the script was that the curate they, he does that this sermon which goes like that it's mm. very partridge-esque isn't it mm. uh, pitter-patter when the rain <laughs> rain 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 and then afterwards all the girls are like literally like g- giddy and they're very yeah. excited and they're like oh so eloquent yeah there was no bible in it that's not a no. proper sermon is it Like, no. and I don't think either that actual Reverend Bronte was the sort of fire and brimstone preacher that he's portrayed as mm. but equally I don't think the residents of Howarth would have had much time for some 
you know, he comes in and starts talking about the rain, and then he says something which I think would have landed as being quite suggestive, where he says, oh, I, I like to think of you, all the people of Howarth, I'll think of you in your beds when I'm in my bed and we're all listening to the rain together. You filthy man. They, they present to us for having some kind of crippling social anxiety. Well, they do and they don't, don't they? I mean, she's like, oh, I'm not coming in the house if your friend Ellen's coming, mm. etc. But then she's sort of all right at the little soiree that her father mm. hosts her for Wuthering Heights. But then she has... Anyway, we're getting into yeah. it. But, but, uh, but yes, so the, the joke is like Charlotte's taking over the conversation and Anne's just agree mm. with Charlotte and then Emily drops this double entendre, if you can call it such a thing, and... Yeah, it causes a gasp. Yeah, yes, there's all. Whereas in the Rain, Emily's just like, "Fuck off, brother!" Yeah, <laughs> fuck off. She sort of nuts him, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it, it's it's okay to talk about Emily. Um, yeah, and is it true that it? the uh, old man Bronte, Father Bronte, Patrick, Patrick. Uh, would have um, whipped Branwell with a belt? Uh, I think he, I think he perhaps would have man. when he was a child. Right. Um. If nobody has documented that, mm. I don't think. Why do you do? You well, that was a scene in the to? film, wasn't it? Yeah, it was I know. Really, well, I just thought it was really weird. It was like yeah. <laughs> it was just a really weird scene uh, where they bend by well over a table, whipping with a belt when he's an adult mm. man. Um, not the strangest me. scene. My favourite scene no. in the film was the magic mask. Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. When you get the mask back out and uh, Emily. Either is or is pretending to be possessed by the dead mm. mother. Yes, they all spend a lot of time talking about the mother as well, even mm. though I think Charlotte, the eldest of the three, had incredibly dim, faint memories of it. But they were like, oh, I wish our mother wasn't dead and we didn't have to live in this bloody parsonage. <laughs> Did um, the Bronte sisters do any satire? Well, yes. Excellent. And uh, and also they have been satirised. So shall we okay, talk, yeah, about let's talk about that? Um, yeah. So you may or may not know that the Bronte siblings had these kind of rich and detailed imaginary worlds as children. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what? Did you not know? I did know that. You the did Juvenalia know. world. There's a great That's documentary. Right. It's where not they, called uh... Juvenalia world. <laughs> <laughs> the world of their Juvenalia world. It's a family ticket. It's seventy-four pounds. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a, t- there's a documentary that I watched once mm. um, where they would talk. They were reading quotes for quotations from their Juvenalia, mm-hmm. and there was uh, an actor playing with like toy soldiers and stuff. And right. the, the implication was that they. Is that made... the one with like um, Lucy Mang and and. I think Tony Robinson was in it. Oh, right, okay. uh, could have been, but yeah. But uh, the implication was that they like they had these little soldiers and they gave them all names and then created whole worlds for yeah. them. And they basically were doing D and D, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Emily and Anne developed their own like offshoot of that that they played together, and they carried on doing that until they were in their late twenties, which is also the point at which they stopped carrying on living. So um yeah. <laughs> and Charlotte and Branwell had their own one that was um called Angria A N G R I A, not like more angry. Um and just wrote like just really detailed backstories and narratives and family trees for all their characters. Um and in eighteen thirty four in My Angria and the Angrians Charlotte kind of used this is a lot of this I've taken from Juliet Barker's seminal biography The Brontes from 1994 and so she's writing about Angria um, but she's also using it as a way to comment on her home and her family and to sort of 
vent her spleen a little bit about what it's what Howarth is like and specifically what Branwell is like. Um, so she creates a version of Branwell called Benjamin Patrick Wiggins, bearing in mind that Branwell's name was Patrick Branwell Bronte. Um, and Wiggins is a low, slightly built man attired in a black coat and raven grey trousers, his hat placed nearly at the back of his head, revealing a bush of carroty hair so arranged that at the sides it projected almost like two spread hands, a pair of spectacles placed across a prominent Roman nose, black neckerchief adjusted with no great attention to precision, and to complete the picture, a little black rattan flourished in the hand. So he's like um, a posturing little poser and with his bush of carroty hair, uh, on his head that's um, very much akin to contemporary descriptions mm. of Branwell Bronte that's something else about yeah. the film Emily which is that in the Sally Wainwright film <laughs> Branwell's like really <laughs> normal looking and, yeah well yeah. In, in the Sally Wainwright one he basically looks like Beaker from the Muppets and he, he, like, in this do you know who he reminds me of um like a young Rory Kinnear. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say a young James McAvoy, but that yeah. kind of, he's a very handsome, affable, yeah. Like, yeah. roguish chap, isn't it's he? Like, come on, let's go on the moors and smoke drugs. Yeah. Guess whereas... Freedom of thought! <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> whereas, in, uh, whereas in To Walk Invisible, yeah, he's a big, he's got loads of ginger hair and he's really yeah. awkward. And, and he annoying. looks like an addict as well, he doesn't does, he? Yeah. And, and he's meant to. Fuck off. But yeah, well. this guy. But so, bearing in mind. Um, Oh, I'll just do a quick calculation on this. So, in 1834, Charlotte Bronte. She's born in. She's born in 1816. What's she in 1834? She's like 17. Right. Okay. So, a, a teenage Charlotte. Um, clearly, Branwell is already demonstrating some of the behavioural issues that are going to plague him and his family through the rest of his life. So, but she also. She doesn't satirise him for being a drunk. She satirises him for... Um, the character Wiggins is always saying he's drunk more than he has. So Wiggins will come in and boast that he's drunk two bottles of ale and a quart of porter when he's actually had, like, a couple of cups of tea. Um, and he's got ideas above his station. He boasts that he's better than Bark and Byron and Claude Lorraine and he's the bravest explorer ever. Um, but he also, this character Wiggins, has three sisters um, and their names are very interesting. So, well... Um, <laughs> So this is Charlotte writing a dialogue between Wiggins and his friends. And, and Wiggins goes first and says, I have some people who call themselves akin to me in the shape of three girls. They are honoured by possessing me as a brother, but I deny that they're my sisters. What are your sisters' names? Charlotte Wiggins, Jane Wiggins and Anne Wiggins. Um, so Jane, as, as you know from the film, Emily's middle name is Jane. Are they as queer as you? Oh, they are miserable, silly creatures not worth talking about. Charlotte's 18 years old, a broad, dumpy thing whose head does not come higher than my elbow. Emily's 16, lean and scant with a face about the size of a penny. So she's already forgotten that Emily was supposed to be called Jane. <laughs> <laughs> and Anne is nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm absolutely nothing. What is she an idiot next door to it? Um, so yeah, she yeah. she obviously like she's really saying the quiet part out loud when um, even the sister who she'd given a pseudonym so to you, becomes Emily. She's written a caricature of Branwell, and then she has the caricature of Branwell slag off. Yeah, herself. so it's like if I wrote a caricature of you, and then he went round like Alan Smith, Alan mm. Partridge. What was it, Adam Partridge your yeah. your um, <laughs> character, wasn't it? If he went round talking to to other people about like his his podcasting companions, and it, it, I guess it's like it's a way that she's writing about her own anxieties, that she's a broad dumpy thing, etc. Mm. But also perhaps kind of processing the hurtfulness that she knows that's how Branwell sees her, 
but at the same time also mocking Branwell for being like a posturing pretentious yeah. pretend drunk yeah um, yeah it, it did just remind me of another one of my favourite bits in the film Emily which is when Branwell has because it says that he's better than Bach and Byron and stuff mm. like he's written a, he's attempted to write some prose hasn't he and he yeah. asks Emily what she thinks of it but she's upset about how her affair with the curate is going so she's upset about other things but this manifests it her being like I think it's terrible I think it's absolute shit this is the worst thing I've ever read and then she goes completely she's a total meltdown doesn't yeah. she she's like the idea the very moment when you thought you put pen to paper is the worst thing that humanity has ever done it's yeah. abominable it's an abomination yeah well um... and then he's like is that what you really think? She's like, yes, it slams <laughs> yeah. the door. That was um It's the worst thing anybody's ever written in this parsonage. Now hold my coat while I write whether it's right. the next yeah. time in classic Bronte fashion, the next time they discuss it, he's on his deathbed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... yeah. Yes, he just dies out of nowhere as well, doesn't yeah. he? Um so yeah, and then there's other bits and bobs like Branwell has his own character who is kind of like enacting what he what he wants to be, I think, in uh, Angria called Northangerland or Alexander Percy, but he's like, um, like a rakish poet. And so that's ideal... Bramwell writing himself. I in, think so. In yeah. Yeah, and then, and Charlotte does like, so at the, in the first chapter of Shirley, she has this long protracted scene about um, curates sort of sitting around and um, gossiping and being boring and annoying because she found the curates at Howard's Parsonage to be gossipy and boring and annoying. Um, so she's she's mocking them in a in a brutal way, but it was really only interesting to curates. I think like uh, she ran the risk there that, I, and I think it didn't entirely pay off that quite a lot of people would never get past the first chapter of Shirley because not everyone's into satirizing curates of the mm. early nineteenth century. And and I think to an extent like the Ingrams in Jane Eyre who are like a aristocratic family who swan around going like. It just just sort of saying nonsense and calling servants blockhead and things like that. Maybe um, if we do yeah. another 19th century episode, we could do one about satirising curates because there's a lot of that in uh, Scenes of Clerical Life as well, isn't there, by yeah. George Eliot? Yeah. I love that. But also there's been um, satire around the Brontes as well as the satire People are doing satire did. of them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and I suppose because their stories seem so extreme and dramatic and outlandish that it's almost like the only way you can respond to it mm. is by by mocking it and and its extremes so um i've got another little thing that we can we can read out together mm-hmm. if you're if you're game which is from punch in december 1935 and it's fittingly for um what you were saying earlier about victorian novels it's called christmas dinner at mm. Howard's parsonage so the scene is um quote an austerely furnished parlor at the head of the table sit the reverend patrick bronte his daughter charlotte opposite him his daughter emily at his right hand Anne on his left a fifth place is unoccupied on the table are a turkey evidently of upland breed is that good i don't know um and other components of a moderate banquet Anne, you must eat. What should I do it in like a, a walk invisible accent or yeah, normal? Yeah. Do do it in your Anne, accent. you must eat for this is Christmas Day. How can I eat when Bramwell is away? Name not that name, girl. He's Irish, you fool. No, I have <laughs> Name not that night. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> okay, do not bring shame on this family. <laughs> you have the right to be interviewed, but. Yeah, okay, go on. Just do, Should we just do normal? Name not that name, girl, on this night of nights. He wastes our substance and our pleasure blights. Pleasure? What is it? Man is born to grief. This bird is very tough. Is there no beef? <laughs> no, sir. I thought the turkey would suffice. And eat a little. Really, it is nice. I cannot eat when Branwell is not here. Name not that name, I say, but pass the beer. 
Anne bursts into tears. Tears, idle tears, I know know not what they mean. You would not, I could weep the might have been. She broods on Brussels. Emily, the sprouts. And Branwell, roistering with village louts. Seeking oblivion, would that I were he, free as the wind is and the moors are free, not cribbed and cabined in this narrow room, my cradle and my prison and my tomb. She totters to the window and draws back the curtain. Listen, the birds of night are on the wing. How she goes on, she is but wuthering. Charlotte, I sometimes wish we had a mother, for then perhaps our sister would not wuther. Mr Bronte suddenly rises from his seat and stalks out of the room, slamming the door behind him. He's gone. Thank God. His dinner barely tasted, just like our lives, hard, underdone and wasted. A shot is heard. Thank you. I feel like we should have divided this up more evenly. (laughs) What noise was that? To his father and his gun. Shooting at shadows, wishing them his son. One day he'll get him, murderous old beast. Emily, he is your parent and a priest. The door opens and Branwell reels in. Thank heaven, he comes. With vine leaves in his curls, tis but Macassar. Merry Christmas, girls. I've wrote a splendid poem. I'll recite it. Pray do. Well, I for one do not invite it. A fig for that. No coward soul is mine. That is not yours. Of course it is. You swine, you stole it from me, liar, drunkard, thief. My dear, your language staggers all belief. Emily swoops upon him and cuffs him violently several times. Take that, you brute, and that, and that, and that. She rushes from the room and dissolves in renewed tears. Branwell subsides into a chair and goes to sleep. I somehow felt this party might fall flat. Huh. Yeah, I didn't mean to give myself as many of the uh, of the lines there, That's but right. um, hey-ho. So, yeah, what, what do you think is true in that little sketch? Well, I know from uh, my past, exp- past knowledge that what, trivia that I've encountered before, mm. that, that Charlotte did go to Brussels, didn't she? She because did. Of that, didn't she draw a caricature of herself? A picture of yeah, with like Russell's. a really big head, and she's like waving goodbye <laughs> across the channel. Yeah. yeah, so I knew that that was real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why would she be brooding on it? Because uh, she left her love interest over there. Yeah, yeah. Who was a curate? Who, professor. A professor. Is that where she got the name, the idea for the book, The Professor? And Villette. So that's. Yeah, so so that she, really I mean, she. Yeah, <laughs> you, the argument that they made it all up out of their heads okay. is a little bit. Actually, the book, The Professor, maybe not. That isn't directly about these things, but the book right. Villette draws quite heavily yeah. on, on what happened, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the line that Branwell quotes, uh, that he declaims, as it says mm. in the script, that is a real poem, because that was also in the film Emily, wasn't it, as well? Uh, was that one I in think, it? I yeah, maybe. It? Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it, did he often take credit for things they did? Or did he attempt no, to? No, I don't think no. he did, but people in the 20th century sometimes argued that it was really Branwell who'd written Wuthering Heights. Right. Um, yeah, and the father, Reverend Branwell, Reverend Bronte, really did used to practice his target practice with his gun out of the window sometimes. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's cool. very normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that so, why there's such a high death count in uh, <laughs> 19th century Howard? He just looked out over the slums and he was like, fuck it, they're all going to die of typhus sooner or later. <laughs> I'll just see if, see if I can get really good at like moving targets. It's like um, Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the typhus zombies walking around outside. Or like, um, like the film that's in the film of Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yeah, Patrick yeah. Bronte's just up there in this. Yeah. <laughs> 
that that would be a great theory to put forward that like you know the Babbage report of 1855 found that mortality in Haworth was significantly like worse than anywhere else but they like you could argue that historicists have often confused the evidence they thought this was to do with all the shared privies and stuff but it was actually yeah. just the vicar was taking them all out from yeah. his position at the top of the hill and then afterwards they're like part of the bodies I'd be like well he looks a bit peaky so should we put it down as typhus yeah the death of, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that what that one with all his skull half missing—that looks like a very nasty case of the cholera. Mm. Yeah, can it's a it's a bad business cholera. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, so there was that. Um, just a, a little light satire on very the Brontes. Has anyone yeah. else satirised the Brontes? Um, yeah. Do you want do do you want to watch a bit of Psycho Bitches? Very much. Yes. Okay. All right. So I've only ever seen this on on YouTube because it's. From what is it, Sky Sky Arts? Ah, that's right. I've not seen it. Then. Yeah, um, but it looks amazing. So it's Rebecca Front is a psycho- psychiatrist, and she's interviewing like notable women from history. You can see down the side here, Psycho Bitches Julia Davis as Enid Blyton. I might have to watch that next on my own time. Um, but yeah, played by people like Sharon Horgan and Julia Davis and um, Catherine Tate, Catherine Tate, Michelle Gomez, like. I, why have I not? Why have I not got this <laughs> program? Um, but in this one, she's interviewing the Brontes. So should we hear a little mm-hmm. bit of it? Girls, please, girls. I can't hear you if you all speak together. Now, can we please talk about your grievances one at a time? The whole point of family therapy is to create a safe space where we can all listen to each other. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, Charlotte, would you like to go first? Well, it's her, isn't it? She's so sodding uptight. She won't do anything, won't go anywhere. I've been to Brussels. Yeah, but you came straight back, though, didn't you? Fancy food, didn't agree with you. Or none of the fucking men would look at you because you've got a face like a terrier's arsehole. Oh, oh, she can talk, Doctor. Oh, I've seen bonnie of goats up on more. You could stick a goat in a bonnet and get a better chance of getting a jump than her. She's the desperate one. I've been to Murfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it goes on and becomes uh, more, more silly and more rude. Do you want to... Um, and more biographical, like, there's a lot of yeah, details in yeah, there, isn't there? That uh, are and we've got the stuff about beating the dog, mm. and um, yeah, and then and, and Anne, then <laughs> it's Anne who says, which is <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just a really good line, isn't it? Because Murfield, like, <laughs> I suppose it just sounds like an archetypal Yorkshire type name yeah. as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it works better even than if she said like I've been to Hal- Halifax or Huddersfield or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, so that's good, isn't it? It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah no, I love that. Um, I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, is there anything else you want to say about the Brontes? <laughs> well, I quite like this cartoon that was. Done, yeah. Uh, which is from a book called Harker Vagrant, Harker Vagrant by Kate Beaton, and it's called Dude Watching with the Brontes. And uh, the three sisters are watching as men go by and mm-hmm. providing commentary. Um, so for example one of them says what about that one what the hell are you looking at replies the man nice I know right that guy was an asshole honestly Anne I don't know I can't this maybe that's right no no go alright so yeah and then oh I see that one of them then says honestly Anne you have no taste so it was Anne who was more attuned to who's an asshole and who isn't yeah Uh, what Uh, about that one 
and then they see another, another one. And he looks really horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so passionate, so mysterious. And Anne again is the cynic thing. If you like alcoholic dick bags. And you are so inappropriate. No wonder nobody nobody buys your books. What about that one? So brooding. Yeah. So basically, Charlotte and Emily are consistently drawn to these sorts of weirdos with um, mm. problems, whereas Anne um, is, is cynical about. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a variation on the joke from the other one, isn't it? That mm. Anne's like on the outside looking in, and uh, yeah, it's from Murfield. <laughs> it's a bit unfair that they joke that no one buys her books because they did buy it. They, they did, did buy her books, yeah. yeah. But she didn't seem to be inspired entirely by roguish men that she knew. Well, uh, arguably, the alcoholic dick bag in Tenant of Wildfell mm, Hall was. Um, well, mm. I, uh, Charlotte kind of framed it like that and said, like, not that it was Brownworld, but that Anne felt that it was her Christian duty to write a book about how it's terrible to be an alcoholic and even and she hated it and she'd be like retching and vomiting while she had to write this book but she felt that she had to do right. it. I don't think that's what Anne mm. thought but that was Charlotte's way of excusing it but I think perhaps what also bothered Charlotte was that the idea that Anne was writing you know the, there was only really one mm. massive alcoholic man that she knew yeah. so shades of Branwell yeah. Did because everything the Brontes wrote about there's an exact analogue in terms of what happened to them in their lived experience, it seems. It's what I've learnt from the film Emily and some aspects of this conversation. Does that mean that they were once attacked by a rabid dog? <laughs> Emily was. Well Emily thought <laughs> really? she was. Did you not know that? I don't think so. so oh, it's in your article, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. Emily was according to the story that Charlotte uh, right. according to Gaskell's account of the story that Charlotte told right. her, Emily's out and about in the village and um She's bitten by it. She's reached down to like pet this dog and it bit her. And in case it was rabid, she came went back to the parsonage and burnt the wound with a iron to stem the yeah. infection, but yeah. didn't tell anyone. Which is exactly what Shirley does in Shirley. Uh, yeah, yes. I did know that. I just wanted you to say it out loud because then it's impact for your article. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, do you know what? Uh, yeah. What is this podcast that's increasingly all about the Brontes <laughs> in the 19th century? This is the podcast Smith and Wars sometimes talk about a satire, but more often talk about the Brontes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but all about First the form, time function, ever. future, and history of the Bronte sisters. Yeah. And um, and satire. Yeah, but we, that's we've right. got, uh, If you've listened this long, I hope you've enjoyed it. Well, we'll definitely be editing it. I certainly have. Okay, well, do you think we should probably stop there? Because yeah, okay, let's do it. That's enough Yeah. Um, Thanks very much for listening. Please do give us a yell if you enjoyed that or have any questions. You can find us at Satire More at Satire no More on Twitter. Yeah. Talk about um, Satire on Instagram. What's our email address? Uh, <laughs> Satire no More at gmail dot com. Don't yeah. worry about emailing that. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, why not try subscribing? Yeah, you can subscribe. like and subscribe. Yeah. Rate and review. Yeah. Fuck off. And think on. <laughs> yeah. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Rate and review. Fuck off to you. Merry Christmas. Don't tell them to fuck off. That's not nice, is it? No, no, don't um, fuck off, please. Like and subscribe. Rate friends. and review. Sugar is sweet and so are you. Yeah, yeah. Thank I mean, you, people who know us know that we don't like asking for favours. But um <laughs> but if if you could just tell your friends that they yeah. might enjoy it, um that even that, if you don't think they will. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> if they've annoyed you or whatever. Just you make could, them listen to yeah. it for a, a half a second and that'll still count yeah. as our in our metrics. Like send them links to it and stuff if they you know. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Please please do. Let's get the word out. This podcast is happening. <laughs> yeah. Continues to happen and uh, And it's and not gonna stop, so you might as well get on board with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Uh, See you later. Set up. Bye.
Shut up. Eat our satire. Bye. And be quiet. Bye. <laughs>